Welcome to Teach, Think, Treat. This podcast is for healthcare professionals and students about teaching and learning in a busy clinical setting. Whilst our setting is a tertiary paediatric hospital, our experiences and challenges are shared by many professionals and students in other clinical environments. The Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land from which we provide our services. We pay respect to the ancestors, elders and emerging leaders of the Kulin Nation and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians accessing our resources. Hi, my name is Lee Chin Lim, and I'm the Allied Health Clinical Educator at RCH Education Hub. I'm also the Education Development Lead at Melbourne University Department of Pediatrics. On any given day at RCH, we can have several hundred of students undertaking placements here with us, learning about pediatric healthcare. So join us to hear about these placement journeys, the ups and downs, and really gauge what it's like to be a student at the RCH. In this episode, we are chatting with Nicola again, who is a final second year social work student, and she's completed 14 weeks of placement here at RCH. And guess what? It is her very last day of placement today, and we are very delighted to have her recording this podcast. Nicola, we might jump into it. So you've made it to the end. We chatted to you at the start of your placement around the middle Mm. of your placement. Here we are, last day of placement. So thank you for sitting down with me and we'll make some final reflections on your placement here at RCH. What are your overall impressions of the placement and of your experiences? That's a great question. Um, 14 weeks is quite a long time and I would say you learn so much and grow so much and you see so much. My reflection, I guess, is just seeing how multidisciplinary this hospital is and how everyone works together so cohesively and how everyone is just so caring and honestly like loves their job. Like everyone is so happy to come here. That's like probably the main takeaway I've taken from this. Yeah. You mentioned about multidisciplinary, which is often the case that we see in a hospital setting, maybe less so in a community mm-hmm. setting. Yeah. So I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about how do you observe these different disciplines work together? Was there any particular example that actually stood mm. out? Yeah, definitely. In my time here, I was working within like the kind of gastro, urology, nephrology area. So that was very multidisciplinary, like heavy. So we worked with the CNC, so the other social worker, um, the consultant, as well as the head lead and we would meet together in like meetings twice a week and it was so small and very um, close knit and we'd communicate with each other constantly and we'd go up to the ward together to visit patients together to actually kind of present a unified front and say, yeah, we do communicate, we do talk, we know what's happening. It's not like you see the doctor, never see them again, you're just going to see social work. It's very much a unified front. I think that's because like a lot of the cases are kids that are needing transplant. So it's a long road ahead for them and they do need more of a community-based or support-based network because they have a lot of questions. And I guess it is extremely scary to have a transplant. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. So in those meetings that you described, you mentioned the frequency of the meeting Mm. and how close-knit you were. I guess what are the elements that enable you to be 
close-knitted and have this open conversation with different disciplines. The head consultant, he's just so easygoing and so kind. In a way, when we go through patients, we do medical, then we do um, medication, they check at the bloods, they look at all the different levels, and then at the end of every patient, they're like, social work, what are your thoughts? Do you have anything to tell us? What's happening with this patient? Give us an update. So it's always very regimented, but it's they always check with social work. It's never like an afterthought. Like they know that patients going through these type of transplants and long-winded hospitalizations will need social work. And it's also like a key part of the transplant to have a transplant workup. So everyone has to meet social work. So yeah. 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 And I guess what you mentioned there is really an, an example of true collaboration. Yeah, and you definitely. mentioned that. Social work is not an afterthought, it's mm. part of the structure. And I think that really brings about the interprofessional collaboration that we all strive for in a multidisciplinary setting. Any experiences that you, you might label as one that you will not forget? I think some patients in like a good way who I won't forget. So they're just so adorable and sweet. I even got a drawing from a patient, so that was, I'll keep that with me. And I'll probably remember that patient. I think we all will face challenges at work, including students who are on placement. And the challenges can come from work setting, the environment, people around you, whether it's colleagues, other students, or sometimes families and patients who we're providing care for. So I wonder if you have an example of a big challenge that you face during placement and how did you go about that? and I want to make sure you feel comfortable sharing this because by sharing your challenge, some listeners might actually resonate with what you experience. Yeah, definitely. There were some challenges. I would say working within the transplant space, I definitely reading different patients' files, working with different families. I questioned quality of life within terms of those patients. So some who are quite young and they didn't here to have the best quality of life and they had an unknown trajectory of lifespan, which can be very hard for the family financially and emotionally and practically and just trying to, I guess, understand why they would choose to continue care when the doctors or medical team have said, but we can stop this because the child may not be going much further. So, yeah, definitely a lot of questions about quality of life but also understanding that the child isn't in pain and they actually do have a good life. Maybe they're in hospital a lot, but when they're at home, they're with friends and family. And for them, this is their only world. This is all they know. They're okay with that. So that was definitely something I had to explore a lot in supervision with my supervisor and chats with other social workers and really just self-reflection and trying to understand that everyone's going through something and it's their life and quality of life, I guess, at the end of the day, you may not understand it, but you're there to support the family and that's your main goal. Yeah. And do you think it's a challenge because your perception of quality of life may not align with what the patient or family has in mind? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I'm disabled. And for me, quality of life is like a very, very big thing. And around my disability, um, when it occurred, it was from an accident. And I like discussed with my mum very openly that like if it had been worse, depending on like certain things, I'm not quite sure if I would be comfortable. But that's, I would say more than anything, my own reflection on myself. And I guess understanding 
how my body works and functions and trying not to put that on other patients and families because it's not about me, it's about them. And like my quality of life, my, my standard of quality of life is very different and like that's okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So acknowledging your own by self-reflecting, but it sounds like you also use this self-reflection to adapt it to your work and caring for your patients and families. Yeah, definitely. And understanding my own subconscious biases and trying to really be like, look, that's about me, not about them. I'm trying to move for past it. Yeah. Yeah. That is brilliant. Um, I think we all have unconscious bias, no matter what we say or what we try, but acknowledging that we have that, it's a great start. Mm. You also mentioned everyone is so nice and Mm. lovely. um, And I agree. I agree. (laughs) Um, I guess I would like you to elaborate a little bit more on what makes this experience so incredible. Like, what are the attitudes of staff and the work style that enable you to feel this way? I'm not sure if it's just because I'm in the social work department, so maybe everyone's very caring and understanding, but definitely a massive focus on self-care, mental health, looking after yourself first, prioritizing yourself first. If you're not okay, you can't help anyone else. So prioritizing all of that. But then also everyone in the social work department is just so nurturing, so sweet, so lovely. Um, Again, not quite sure if it's just because social work. And then it is quite female orientated. So it could also be that nurturing factor. But even the staff, like the doctors, the nurses, dietitians, the physios, everyone's so sweet and so easy to talk to here. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. (laughs) Um, I wanted to touch on... Again, we're circling around experiences (laughs) and I'm sure, you know, we talk about challenges. You praise the, you know, good staff and environment Mm -hmm. at RCH. But I particularly want to look into, are there any meaningful experiences or encounters that really made you change a bit of you or change your perception towards something? many meaningful encounters with patients and families. Um, and I guess very much around that quality of life again, like the patient that I was mentioning that did a drawing for me. Yeah, can you tell us more? Yeah, of course. Parents, very complex relationship, but just so meaningful to like get to know this kid and read books with them and do drawings with them. And they're just such a sweet, happy child despite like everything happening. And their parents put their child first, despite everything happening in their own life. Like the mother's been quite sick. So that's been really meaningful to see like this family really try to champion like everything who put this child first and just try to put their own lives on the back burner, which can be really hard. But this child was just so sweet and kind and funny. (laughs) How often do you see this child? So they actually just recently got discharged. And how much time would you say you get to spend with this child? Daily basis or? Yeah, so we were going up maybe every second day, every day, just because, as I mentioned, the family had quite a complex situation. So parents were separating, mum was quite ill and recovering, lack of family support, and just really trying to look after their child who was quite ill but has gotten so much better. So yeah, we were going up there quite a bit, and I was going up with the the other social worker. So sometimes when we were trying to talk to mum, this child, despite being so sick, was so energetic. And so happy. So I would just draw with them or read with them or 
try to interact with the child and see how they're going, try to understand how this hospitalization is affecting them, their illness, their their mum being sick, their family separating, like how does that affect them? Obviously, you've seen this child over a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. And how do you find that your role actually impacted on the child and the family? I definitely think our role or my role was to support this family in trying to make the separation easier. So trying to get the parents' individual Baxter machine. So that's to do the dialysis and the infusions and the feeding um, at home. So that means there's less crossover. And then also getting our AHA, so Allied Health Assistant, involved to try and get daycare. Also getting mediation in place for them to support them. And then also just, I guess, giving this child a great environment where they feel supported, they feel happy. And when they think back on hospital, yes, it's a little bit scary, but mum and dad are there, grandpa's there, um, aunties and uncles are there. You were drawing, reading, going to the playground, going in the sandbox, like having good memories. Yeah. Mm. No, that's definitely sound Mm. like a overall positive experience for the child. Um, What was the drawing that he drew for you? Uh, it was honestly just giant scribbles, <laughs> but I don't know. I just really liked it. It was nice colors, filled up the whole page. <laughs> no, that's very lovely. So in terms of your own growth and development, because obviously you're here in placement to learn about how mm-hmm. what we call the real world yeah. <laughs> runs, um, are there any other important lessons that you feel that only placement can enable you to have that? Uh, definitely. I'd say in social work, when you're in uni, you're learning a lot about these social work theories and how they function and what they mean, but you don't actually understand, I guess, necessarily how to practically use them because you've never really necessarily used them that much. Coming in and being like, oh, okay, this is how this theory works and being able to pull from different theories, not just using one, understanding that there's many different levels to a family, person and environment theory and understanding that like they change depending on where they are and that really affects the makeup of the family. So really seeing how these work in real practice and in real time. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been on placement in a pediatric hospital setting before? Not in a pediatric setting before. Um, My previous placement, I was working with children, but more in a research base. We did do some interviews with children and carers and parents and grandparents, but not really one-on-one. Yeah. and. Was there any different in terms of coming to a pediatric-based hospital compared to your other placements? So at a pediatric hospital, I would say hospital by nature is very fast-paced, on-the-spot kind of acute support, whereas in this research it was ongoing. I actually don't even think the research task is finished yet. So very long relationships, obviously in the kidney and liver space is ongoing relationships because that can be for someone's whole life. But yeah, definitely very different in the acute style and sometimes only ever seeing a patient once. But when you did see patients in the hospital, I would say you get to know them a lot more and a lot faster and a lot better. Whereas in research, it's a set of questions and you ask the set of questions and then you say goodbye and then that's kind of it. Yeah. Mm, Right. Overall, like you've been here for 14 weeks in a pediatric-based hospital. Um, you mentioned about multidisciplinary, acute setting, fast-paced. I wanted you to share if this placement has any impact on your future plans 
and your career goals? Coming into this placement, the reason I actually chose it is because I knew I wanted to work with children and families, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to work in a hospital setting, community, or even private. I wasn't 100% sure on that. And I think definitely leaving this placement, I know I want to work with a hospital. I really like the way it functions with multidisciplinary teams, and I really like the longstanding relationships, but I also like that when I go home, I know it sounds terrible, I go home, whereas in a community, it can be a lot harder to finish work and kind of leave work at work. Yeah, I definitely think I would like to work in a hospital moving forward. Where that is, when that is, is a big question. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think it's definitely shaped and informed a lot of my future plans. Yeah. Yeah. You did mention it's harder to leave work if you work in a community setting. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? Yeah, definitely. Because of the acute nature of hospitals, a lot of the time, once someone has become an outpatient, even if they have ongoing appointments, you do refer them a lot to community social work and they're the social workers who will follow this family ongoing and support this family. And a lot of the time families, depending on different crises they're going through, they will call up the social work and that could be at many different hours. A lot of, If you finish at five, you may be there till seven. And depending on the area you live in, many of our Teachers and many of my friends who are social workers have told me that they'll just be at a cafe and then see their client and be like, oh, hey. So it can be quite very different space. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of this, how do you see the link between, you know, a hospital social worker with your colleagues in the community? I would say the link is definitely that in a way we almost support each other. Like even yesterday, I was on the phone with a community social worker for a patient that had been here over the weekend. And we were just talking about the different supports this patient needs and support letters to get this patient's sisters um, into Australia for refugee visa. Us visiting the patient, talking to them, seeing what emotional, practical and community support they have in place, seeing what they want extra support with and then liaising that back to community. And then vice versa. So community, you can call us and say, this is happening. The family needs to come into hospital. They're not presenting or they are presenting. Even maternal child health nurses and GPs are amazing in communicating with hospitals to be like, this isn't happening. We're really concerned. Follow this up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really the regular communication. Yeah. So you mentioned initially within the hospital setting, you regularly communicate with your other disciplines colleagues, but the same happens with community. So between the hospital and the community, you also need this regular communication to be on the same page for your patient. Yeah, definitely. And I think if we didn't have that, it would be a massive collapse in communication and a lot of missing patients and a lot of missing information, which can lead to something quite catastrophic, which is not what we want. Yeah. Because a lot of the patients who we are being contacted about, they're very psychosocially and a lot of the time um, medically vulnerable and they do need extra support. Yeah. I wonder if you have to think back to your first day of placement here at RCH, was there anything that you wish someone would have told you at the start working in a pediatric hospital setting? I think my supervisor was very frank with me, which was amazing. And was just like, don't be scared. It'll be okay. So I feel like I was told what I was thinking because I was like, oh, I'm petrified. And what, I, what were you petrified? I guess after a few weeks, you're giving your own caseload. And I was like, I'm going to ruin someone's life. <laughs> I knew I wouldn't, but I was just like, ah. But yeah, I think 
her telling me, don't be scared, it'll be fine, we're going to support you, was what I mainly needed to hear and that no one did tell me this and I guess maybe because I expected this or you never really know what happens with students, but, like, the amount I've grown is kind of scary, like, seeing my confidence. So, yeah, definitely just be, like, just relax. Easier said than done, but just, you know, it'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So having the support of your supervisor has helped you enable that slowly building of your confidence. Yeah, definitely. My supervisor was amazing. Yeah. What makes him or her so amazing? They were just so honest. (laughs) And like, they were like, I make mistakes. I talk to my team. I'm like, what am I doing all the time? Like, what am I doing? Um, And even sometimes when they wrote case notes, like, oh, have a look. What do you think? Is something I need to add? So even though I was a student, they treated me like a colleague, which was amazing. And they were just so supportive. And if something really bombed out, like I just did a terrible assessment, they were like, that's fine. We'll try again. Dust it off. It's life. Yeah, really, really supportive. That's wonderful. Wonderful to hear. All right, then. Any last comments or recommendations around preparing for placements in pediatric? Yeah, I guess my last comment would just be like, don't be scared, give it a go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, congratulations on getting this far. Thank you. Um, It was great to have you share your journey with us and also your achievements throughout the placement. So all the best with your studies and thank you, Nicola. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Teach, Think, Treat, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, check out our other podcast channel, Conversation with the Experts, where professionals from the Melbourne Children's Campus provide advice and insights, tips and tricks, and discuss the latest research findings on a range of topics.